Waiting in the will of God. Waiting in the will of God. Anybody have trouble with this? Lord, hurry up. Hurry up. Do something. What's going on? My prayers aren't being answered. This is taking too long. Did I make the wrong decision? And what happens is when we wait in the will of God, it can become challenging. And of course, we're talking about Joseph. We left, I left off there uh, quite a few weeks ago now where he was betrayed by his brothers. He was then sold into slavery. Then he went and uh, worked, him, worked his way up and was uh, the, the, really the right-hand man to Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife hit on, hit on him. And he ran. And she said, no, he tried to you know, take advantage of me. And then his, her husband got upset and threw him into prison. Talk about wrongly charged. But you have to remember, with God, it's all about positioning, not comfort and convenience. And I, I don't like this aspect of, of God's will, but sometimes it involves being in an in a uncomfortable spot. And I've noticed that's where God does His deepest work. When I'm in that uncomfortable spot, when I have to cry out to Him, there's no other option, there's no plan B. Kaiser's not going to cover this. Medicare won't, Medicaid won't work and neither will Blue Cross. Lord, I need You. Destiny does not come without resistance. Destiny does not come without resistance. Dreams do not come without delay. Direction does not come without a struggle. And finishing does not come without a fight. And with Christians, I've explained this many times before, the enemy uses discouragement. Discourage you in your marriage. Discourage you in your walk. Discourage you in your ministry. Discourage you by look, reading the news. And he uses that so you'll become ineffective. And then angry, bitter, critical. And we have to realize that God, what He's doing in our life, there is going to be resistance. There is going to be delay. There is going to be a struggle. There is going to be a fight. But don't let your past stop the pursuit. Don't let discouragement get in the way. And so I'm just going to go through Genesis 40 and probably 41 briefly and really paraphrasing. And what happened is both the baker and the butler had dreams. Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? So Joseph is in prison, the baker's in prison, the butler's in prison, and they have these dreams. And so Joseph said, the interpretation is going to belong to God. So tell them to me, please. Ultimately, the chief butler was restored, but the baker was executed in interpreting those dreams. And a couple of things we can glean here. Humility. Joseph said, only God, only God can interpret dreams. And this is what happens sometimes in the... You guys can be the charismatic side. You guys will be the conservatives this morning. But in the charismatic side, right, dreams, visions, prophetic words, words of wisdom, God's healing. You know, And, and, and sometimes we, we, we can become prideful. Maybe you've, maybe you've been able to interpret a dream God gave you that. Maybe you've been able to give someone a prophetic word. But if you don't stay humble, God will humble you. And you'll begin to miss it. You'll begin to think too highly of yourself. And you have to remember, only interpretation comes from God. 
Only God can do this. I will, I'm His vessel and I will submit to that. But you have to start giving God the, the credit for everything we do. And it's interesting, God would use Joseph's gift later. God would use this gift to interpret dreams later. When? Well, when he st- stood before Pharaoh. And we're going to get into that in a minute. And he was in a prison interpreting dreams. And boy, it's frustrating when you're doing the menial when you're called to do the mighty. He was using his gifting in the least likely spot. But it's there that God would eventually elevate. And that's why you have to be faithful where you're at. Faithful with what God has called you to do. That faithfulness is rewarded by God. And then verses 14 and 15, Joseph said, okay, you're getting out of here. Uh, So would you remember me? Please tell Pharaoh about me that I've been wrongly charged. I've done nothing. Get me out of here. And so that's why I want to talk about waiting in the will of God. Waiting in the will of God. And I actually found these in my Bible, I think, from 20 years ago. And I want to say it might be, some of you remember David Prather. It might have been when I was under his teachings and and wrote those down. I'm not sure. And I have no way of of knowing who... So these aren't mine. So what happens when we're waiting in the will of God? And, And Joseph's in prison. There's a lot of prisoners in prison waiting. Waiting. And I love how we had, uh, we began with, uh, Russell gave his testimony. If you uh, heard that, make sure to listen to that. I went three times and visited him down in, in by t- the Tijuana border. It's an all-day event. By the time you leave here at four in the morning, get home at six in the afternoon. Three times walking into the RJD correctional facility. And that, that, that dreams die of ministry. And then Rick was in prison and Richard who led worship and he gave his testimonies in prison. It's like, we've got all these, this is incredible. I love it. There, and then I would see correctional officers at the altar. What an incredible picture of God. It's incredible. And I'm hoping, I don't know, they'll probably be listening later because they, they follow the ministry, but I'm hoping to get out and visit a lot of the prisoners out there in uh, California City here shortly. I've already filled out the paperwork, passed the, the, the training and all of that. <clears throat> We're waiting on some things. And that's a, that's a very good spot because God can get your attention. Don't go there. You can get your attention, just take a long drive. But it's in the difficult seasons. And often out of that brokenness, God will bring the beauty from those ashes. Do you ever wonder, like, why does God use such broken people? Why am I up here? Because then He gets all the glory. Look at what God has done. Look at what God has done. And it's often, not always, but it's often from that position of humility. If you stay there, God will bless you greatly. And He usually has to humble us before He can use us. But what happens when we're waiting? Help. Well, it redefines. It redefines or it fine-tunes or it clarifies what we've been asking for. How many times have I, okay, Lord, hurry up. Hurry up. And then when he doesn't hurry up, through that process, I kind of redefine or I fine-tune what, what I'm feeling God's calling me to do. Or he, he really clarifies things as we wait on him. Or number two, we just don't see it yet. I live there a lot. I just don't see it yet. Or we just don't see it yet. 
And so what happens is because we don't see it with our eyes, we begin to doubt God. We get discouraged. Lord, come on. But remember, what is faith? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's, 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 it's things we hope for because God has shown it to us. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So this is actually incredible. Number two, this could be a great way to build my faith and please God. Think about this. If God showed me, if I got my way every time, I'd be a spoiled little brat up here. God uses this, this time. Now, we do have to be careful because sometimes the waiting time is because of sin. Ouch. Could a blessing be delayed because we're not repenting? Absolutely. I'm here to tell you the truth. I'm not here to build a big audience. Tell you the truth that, that sin can stop and thwart the plans of God until it's dealt with. Keep it on a, keep sin on a short leash, hum, humble and repentant. And sometimes over the years, you know, people say, What pastor, you're a pastor, why are you at the altar? Well, I remind them before you go up, you better go down. God forbid we begin to exalt ourselves. God is to be exalted. Listen, don't, don't be fooled by any Christian leader or pastor thinking, oh, look at that. We're, we're, we've been hurt. We've been broken. We've been marred and God has rebuilt us. We're just His, His masterpiece. Like are all of you. And we're to point you to the cross. Point you to the cross and get out of the way. It renews our fellowship with God. Number three, doesn't it? Oh, this isn't happening yet. I, I, I can get discouraged or I can press in. And the more God pressures me, the more I what? Go to the ground and seek Him. Go to the cross. The waiting time is not wasted time. Or number four, be more aggressive. This is so true. Take action. Take action. It's hard to direct something that's not moving. And often I'll pray with people talk, Shane, I just don't know what to do in ministry. I think God's called me to this. Okay, are you, are you stepping out in faith? Are you serving maybe the kids' ministry or the homeless ministry? Um, I remember, I'll never forget a lady who's Lancaster. I hope she's not watching, but it's years ago. And she kind of got an attitude when I said it. And she goes, well, I've got a teaching gift. Oh, well, pardon me. Let God promote you. You don't come in here and say, I've got a teaching gift. Let me teach. We'll notice that gifting upon you. And you come in a spirit of humility, whatever it takes. That's why I love our volunteers and staff here. They just whatever, whatever you want me to do. And God elevates, God promotes. That's why this is so important. But you can be more aggressive. And what it looks like is, is stepping out in faith. I tell people often, hey, I need to get a job. Okay, have you filled out any paperwork? Have you done any job hunting and applications? And Oh, not really. I'm just waiting for direction. Well, direction needs feet. And often you've got to be moving and doing things. 
And, and some of us, we need to just take action. It was the hardest thing I did yesterday, but I'm glad I did it. Um, I'm not really a protester. You know, out there on 10th Street, busy street with the, you know, for abortion in front of the abortion clinic yesterday. My daughter was, was kind of heading it up with a group and I said, yeah, I'll go. And I'm so glad I did now. And I only got one middle finger. Man, I'm telling you, the old Shane wanted to say, hey, turn around, buddy. Let's talk about this. See, that old nature wants to rise up. Don't, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. So, no, Lord, just going to pray for them, pray for them. But step out. And then I said, and I felt like, man, I could, we can come here any day. You know, I, kind of, I feel like praying. Now, you might not stop something that day, but how do you know you won't stop something in the future? Or people driving by, or just God honoring. Look at how, look at them. They're standing up for those who have no voice. The weak and the fatherless. That's the person I'm going to bless. You step out and do something. I remember, and it's a Hope Chapel now on 60th Street. Uh, when I started, came, I came back to the Lord. I think it was around 1999, 2000. Wanted to get involved. Yeah, be an usher. Walk the parking lot. Clean the bathrooms. It, that checklist was not very fun. Wait, but I'm called to do the mighty. I'm called to be on radio. And have a national voice. That's what I'm called to do. I'm not going to do that. I said, Lord, whatever You want me to do. Whatever you want me to do. And here's the wonderful thing. When He begins to elevate you, you don't have to keep yourself there. Oh, I've got to do this. got to do this. got to do this. got to keep this going. Keep this fire going. Keep this fire. Keep likes and viewers and, and, and this. And i got to keep the people coming. Lord, it's your, it's your calling. You do whatever you want. And that's actually what you're seeing in our nation. If you ever follow some of them. Um, not all of them. Um, but some of the bigger, you know, what they call mega church, um, a lot of the the pastors, and I know people who actually know them. They text them and they try to encourage them, but they they can't they can't get too controversial because they'll lose their dime, nickels and noses. That, that's just the truth. I'm just telling you the truth. A lot of churches, unless they were built big. By saying like uh, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, Jack Hibbs, many of you know I know him, and we talk often. And he, <clears throat> you built it on the right foundation. Or MacArthur's not too far from here, and you know you build it, they'll come. But a lot of them, a lot of them cannot say exactly what the Bible says. Andy Stanley's in a lot of heat right now because he won't come out and say, "Is gay marriage a sin? What well, is homosexuality a sin?" Well, I, I, I'm not going to say anything because I'm trying to reach the lost. So am I, but you can tell them the truth. Hello? The lost need the truth so they can become unlost. And my heart is not to... I don't want to name names. I don't go, let me write this name down. It comes sometimes. And also, if they have the audacity to challenge God's Word, they better be men to be able to absorb the criticism. That's just the way it works. We can point, Paul pointed out uh, people who are not in, going in a good direction. And that's what happens though. Is we get so worried 
about keeping our audience. Somebody asked me, what are you going to do when YouTube shuts you down? 25,000 people. Like they'll find, those who want to truly watch will find us elsewhere. Subscribe to Rumble, by the way. It's a, this is a little pl- plug. But I'm not, I'm not really worried about it. God has the final say. God has the final say in what happens. And what you're seeing, even the last two years and what, what Elon Musk released, and you're seeing that, I mean, the, the chaff and the wheat are being divided. The lines of demarcation have been clearly drawn in the sand, folks. We see what's going on in our nation. We see the, the satanic agenda. And the church now more than ever before needs to be revived and speak the truth in love. And then number five, oh, I did have it on here. Good. Deal with besetting sin. The reason we use that word besetting is, and it's hard as a pastor because on one hand you want to encourage people, but you don't want to encourage sin. So someone's stuck. And man, it happens. Anybody been there? You go back and the old man calls your name and you answer the door or knocks at the door and and you're stuck in that sin. It's besetting. It's unrepentant. Or even if you're repenting, oh Lord, I'm sorry, but you go back to it. Lord, I'm sorry, but you go back to it. That's not really repentance. That's sorrow. And so I look at it as, I heard the story a long time ago where a pig and a lamb both fall in the mud. The pig enjoys it and even leads others in. The lamb cries out and hates its miserable condition and wants out. And so a person can be dealing with sin and repenting of it. And God helping them. And it's not about perfection. It's about direction. They're going in the right direction. They dealt. It's not besetting me. It's not pulling me down. It's not a practice anymore. I might struggle now and then, but I'm, I'm repenting. I'm at the altar. I'm reading God's Word. And God honors that. But it's the besetting, I want to continue in this. And next week, I think we're, I'm coming out with a podcast. I did an interview with a pastor who um, was, was in an affair for a while and uh, came out and had to resign. He's a friend of mine now. And talking to how many people didn't want anything to do with him after that. That's when people need you the most. <laughs> that doesn't mean you agree with. Do you know that the conviction of the Holy Spirit is so profound and powerful they don't need negative Nelly coming up alongside of them like Job's friends? Do you know that? I just started reading Job last week. I'm like, I don't, I'm going to skip through these jokers. These guys. But we have to deal with besetting sin. We have to deal with it. We have to be accountable and transparent and open. Sin grows in darkness. That's why every night my phone is on the counter. My wife access to everything. The elders can come up anytime. Morgan, how's the marriage going? Hmm. Ouch. Well, you know what? He's been a jerk lately. That hasn't happened yet. Praise God. I have been a jerk lately, but not... They... But see, wanting to deal with that, wanting to be transparent, I don't want anything to hinder the work of God's Spirit. I'll even I'll send uh, Abram and Tim and Morgan like when people girls text me on Instagram. I say, oh, deal with this. I don't want any. I don't want that even open that door. Click here for my picture. I don't know you. I don't need to click here for no picture. Delete, delete. It's a very good button. 
But see, the pursuit of Christ is what keeps you on track. Oh, Shane is so spiritual. No, I'm not. I just pursue Christ and everything else has to fall to the wayside. Oh, as a dear pants, I might go into last night's sermon if you don't stop me because my heart is still pounding for as a dear pants after that living water. Oh God, we need to pant after you like never before. Where is that thirst? Where is that desire? It is only found one place. Take me into the holies of holies by the blood of the Lamb. You need to be baptized in the spirit of anguish and desperation for God. There is no other hope, folks. When are we going to realize that? Is there any other hope? I don't know if you heard on a radio network yesterday. Um, there was a message there playing clips how kids are learning the gay ABCs. B is for binary. T is for trans. And they went through the whole AB, a little toddler. And it does get worse. It does get worse. And when I spoke at the school district last week, I looked at all of them in the face and said, this is child abuse. This is, this is mental child abuse. But there is so much going on. Guys, laws are trying to pass. I, and, and I will go on record saying this. Somebody just text me. Randy, you know Randy who used to go here. He goes, you were right. I didn't believe you 12 years ago when you said what's happening with the, the gay agenda and stuff, but look where we're at. But you can see the writing on the wall. Legalization of pedophilia is not, not in the far distance. I just talked to our senator in Washington on email, uh, or in Sacramento as well, Scott Wilkes up there, and what they're trying to, what they would love to get through, it makes me sick. We are depraved. You read about Sodom and Gomorrah. We passed them a long time ago. So it begs the question, where is the desperation? I shouldn't have to, to remind you every single week about morning worship. You should be wanting to open the doors. Now, I'm not angry. I'm just saying in love. Is that not true? People say, well, I'm not early morning person. Okay, we'll have Saturday night. Do you come on Saturday night? No. Again, I'm just being honest with you to show you what desperation looks like. There's not enough hunger and desire for God yet. And that has to come within. You can't say, okay, I'll just go do all these things. No, 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 no. It has to be a hunger. As a deer pants, looks for that living water. My soul pants for Thee. Oh God, I need to find You. Without that brook, I will die. There is no other hope. I can't eat the rocks. I can't chew on the bark of the tree. I've got to find that living water. And there's a pursuit. There's a hunger. There's a desire. Let me give you some tips as you wait in the will of God. Waiting often involves working. I don't remember who wrote, I just wrote this quote down. I think it could have been Augustine. Pray as if everything depends upon God, but work as if everything depends upon you. And some people have a, a problem with that quote, and I don't because God blesses discipline. God, go look at the ant, O oh sluggard. Read about laziness in Proverbs. You want to get convicted? But it's not, I've got to work, I've got to work. No, pray, Lord, I'm praying. Okay, but you do what you know to do. Work. How do I work? I seek You with all of my heart, with all of my strength. I cry out to You. I read Your Word. I obey Your Word. I'm, I'm doing this thing. And we don't work for salvation, right? We don't work for salvation. I'm surprised at how many people still think 
we do this. Oh, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. I'm, I've gotta do these things. Jesus plus this. No, it's Jesus, the finished work on the cross is done. And sometimes I get in little de- debates, you know, with, with Roman Catholicism on purgatory. I met with a priest down in Santa Clarita and I, and, and I said, listen, listen, what's the point of purgatory? And he looked at me and goes, Shane, how do we deal with the shame and the guilt in our hearts? Hello? Hello? It's not a, it's not an almost done work. It's not a half cross. It's not an almost sufficient Savior. It's an all sufficient Savior who died on Calvary and we come and we embrace the cross and we are set free. Whoever said the Son sets free is free indeed. You don't have to go somewhere to be punished for your sin. What is the point of the cross? I doubt that man was even saved. We work out our salvation. Philippians 2.12, we work it out. And this is an important point. I hope this helps someone. I just wrote it down yesterday morning. I want to explain fighting from a position of victory. As Christians, it's hard some. We don't understand. As a Christian, we say we've already won the battle, correct? Okay, well, sometimes it feels like I'm losing. So here's what this looks like. If you remember in war, especially World War II, you know, beaches of Normandy and what they had to do with overcoming the German occupation up there high. And then the parachuters, like 30,000 parachuters came in behind. But the point was, once they took that area, that, that high, they're up on the hill, they take it. <clears throat> now they've got to hold it. And so that's where many of us are, are believers. That's what it really resembles. Work out your salvation. Fight. Keep fighting. Put on the whole armor of God. Okay, God gave me this platform or what He'll give you. There's victory, but now I've got to to fight. Here comes this little demon. Here comes this little distraction. Here comes this little compromise. So you're fighting from a position of victory, but you've got to hold the line. And that's why what happens when we allow that compromise to come in. Uh Uh-oh. And then... I'm going to make the cameras guy nervous. They always tell me, don't move six feet out that way. Uh, too late. But, right? I'm supposed to hold this ground. I'm supposed to hold this ground. Well, how did I get down here? How did I get down here? One choice at a time. One compromise at a time. One wrong decision at a time. Not hungering and desiring and panting after God. Not seeking Him with all of our heart. We're not. That's how you hold the ground. That's how you work out your salvation. You keep doing those things that encourage spiritual disciplines, and don't discourage the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And that's why I'm so adamant about revival and seeking God, is because that is our only hope. That is our only hope. Christians on fire for God. And a lot of times the, the term comes up, uh, lukewarm Christian or I'm a mediocre Christian. That's, that's actually an oxymoron. A true Bible-believing Christian is on fire for God. But be encouraged, it's, it's a battle. It is hard. I know. I have to live it. It's very challenging, but it can be done if we look to God for the strength. 
So don't just sit back. Stir up. Stir up something inside of you. God, I need that. I need that revitalization. I need that revival of my heart. I'm tired of sitting at home, reading the Bible all the time, reading books. I've got a lot of this head knowledge, but not a lot of stuff going on with my feet and active and, and helping and sharing. God, I need that, that baptism of fire in my heart. Stir it up in me, God. Stir it up. Verse 23. He did not remember Joseph. He did not remember Joseph. And it's going to go on to say, Joseph sat in prison. How long do you think? Two weeks? Two months? Two more years. Two Talk about frustrated. Go tell Pharaoh. I'm, out, I'm, I'm sure he thought, I'm out of here pretty soon. Pretty soon. Pretty soon they're going to be knocking on my door. Hey, release is coming. You're going home. Weeks go by. Months go by. But here's the key. You see the brackets. Pharaoh wasn't ready yet. God hadn't given him the dream yet. See, it's timing, timing, timing in the will of God. Timing in the will of God. It's just amazing what God does with timing. A lot of what He's doing in our heart here at this church, my wife will tell you, we, we, we sensed this 20 years ago. We sensed this 20 years ago. The theme of revival and God working in our hearts in different things. But I wasn't ready. Immature. What about if God promotes us too quick? Immature. And could really do damage. God begins to bless and pride comes in. It's, it's, God knows the timing. We'll never be truly ready until on this side of heaven, really. There's always that desire that, that the enemy comes in and will try to take us out. But it's God's timing. And she remembers, I was getting so frustrated. I'm going out digging ditches. I go out, I've got a round point shovel. You guys know what that, you know what a digging bar is? About this high, heavy. And I would go dig up septic tanks. Because I had to do something to make money. And I'm digging up septic tanks. Lord, this, this is not what you showed me. And I began to have dreams like Billy Graham had, where I would, I would be preaching over a sea of people just out there and preaching. Like, well, that's weird. But after you have those a few times, and I would read that in Billy Graham's biography. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Well, God, if you're called, what am I doing here? I'm called to do the mighty, not the menial. Oh, son, let me humble you for a while. And it was embarrassing. People would come up, why are you shame? I went from a six-figure income in my 20s. That was a lot 25 years ago. Running 24-hour fitness centers. Now, to digging ditches at some of these houses around here. People come out and say, why are you here? Uh, I gave my life to the Lord. <laughs> you what? I, I, yeah. Just, I didn't want to run into anyone. Humbling. You go from a hard, you know, a hard work background and, and, then I end up living with my mom. I had to tell Morgan's dad, hey, can I marry her? I'm living with my mom. What's your plans for the future? Well, I'm writing a book right now. And I live with my mom. Holy smokes. 
embarrassed, humbled, 30 years old. But God knew what it took. Eventually, get, I don't care, Lord, anymore. You broke me. You humbled me. Now you're ready. And the first thing I did, the first speaking engagement I had, thousands of people, nope. Grace Resource Center, homeless. I'm talking to the homeless group about health and fitness. And it felt great. It felt great. And then the, 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 the vineyard asked me to speak on a Wednesday night. Wouldn't that happen anymore, but back then, things were different. Jim Girdleston, I believe was his name. And he goes, no, just, just I want you to give your testimony. And, and the response was incredible. I was not prepared for it. And then a pastor was there. I wanted me to speak at his church. And then Promise Keepers in Canada duplicated the message. 10,000 copies of CD and mailed it out to all their guys. And then God began to let me do it now. Let me do it my way. Now that, now that all that you've been so humbled and broken. Now, keep in mind, pride can rise up again. Right? We have kids at home that keeps you humble. And humility is such an important role, guys. And I say this, please, I'm, 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 I work on pride on a daily basis. We've not mastered it. Nobody's mastered it. But when you recognize it, there's, that's powerful. There's powerful when you recognize it. So the chief butler did not remember Joseph. Oh, goodness. Might have to do part two. So he didn't remember. He's sitting there for two years. He had to pass the test of timing. Pass the test of timing. And remember this. Being delayed is not being denied. Some of you need to hear that this morning. God delaying something is not denying it. He's getting your heart ready. It's His timing. It could be that He's developing trust. Any men type A out there? You're like, let's get it done. Let's get it done today. Here's what's going to happen. No, God says, no, no, no. Hold, hold on, tough guy. You're going to wait for a while. Wait on my timing. And He uses these things to our advantage. And then the power of pressing in. The power of pressing in. Oh, when I'm waiting on God and I haven't heard yet, Lord, I need to hear from You. Maybe it will take a while. Maybe this won't be answered. May I don't know, but Lord, because I don't know, I'm going to press in to You. Press in to, to a deeper relationship with You. But most people often, they don't. They become bitter and resentful. And I talk to people a lot. They're just bitter that God didn't answer their prayer the way He they wanted it to be answered. And I know it's tough. Some prayers are, are, are difficult when we don't hear an answer. And then we worship while we wait. That's a profound truth. Worship while you wait. Pharaoh's dream. 41. Chapter 41. After two years, Pharaoh had two dreams. He had two dreams. Maybe there's something to that. I don't know. The chief butler told Pharaoh about Joseph and they brought him from the dungeon. And Joseph said, Pharaoh, there's going to be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. We need to store food. Pharaoh then appointed Joseph over everything. So after two years, Pharaoh finds out about Joseph, brings him up out of prison. Joseph tells Pharaoh the meaning of his dreams. I believe it was seven, seven fat cows and seven sick cows and then and then the same thing with the wheat and the grain. And, and, and he said, we're going to have seven years of prosperity and seven years of drought. 
And we need to be prepared. We need to get ready. And I wanted to spend some time, you know, but I just remembered I did a whole teaching on dreams a year ago. You can just put it in YouTube. And, uh, and my name maybe with dreams. And, and I talk about these things because, um, I, and I don't want to spend too much time on it because I already did, but some of you maybe need to hear this. God can use them. I believe that God can use them. Absolutely. The problem is many people get a little carried away. I don't know if He gives you a dream every week. You've got His Word. You've got the principles to follow. But sometimes you need a little help. And maybe God used it for uh, Pharaoh. He used it for Joseph and Mary. Uh, Wise men were warned. And so sometimes if something isn't clearly portrayed in God's Word, but the principle is there, and you're praying, and you're seeking God, and you need direction, you might have this vision or this dream. Ah, Lord, thank You. Now it makes sense. And there are people who do not believe that, and that's okay. I'm glad I don't believe that. They say, we've got the Word and that's enough. Yes, I pour my heart into the Word. I study the Word. I love the Word. But sometimes I need a little help. I can't turn to John chapter 4 and find out if I'm supposed to marry Morgan. Well, you got the principles here. there? Yeah, but I need a little help. I need, I need some direction. So God, that's the, the Holy Spirit. Why are gifts given by the Holy Spirit for the body of Christ to minister to others? So what the Holy Spirit equips me to minister to you and vice versa. You are equipped to minister to others. So I believe that God can use dreams and visions. As when Peter preached, oh, they're not drunk like you think they're drunk. This is that which Joel spoke of, that in the last days, your son and your daughters will prophesy. They'll see visions. They'll dream dreams. So I think it's, it, God can definitely use them. However, put a seatbelt on. Be careful, cautious. I don't let them direct me in a direction that I'm not already going to go, usually. Obviously, I'm not going to rely on them alone. It has to be anchored in the, God's Word. doesn't happen very often at all. But I think we need to be open. Because well, here's what happens. If you totally close out what the Holy Spirit can do, you, you will close it out. You will not experience these things. I remember a famous Bible teacher. He said, I tried casting out a demon earlier on in my ministry and it doesn't work. I don't think we do that anymore. No, just because your experience didn't work doesn't mean we, we gauge Scripture by that. Our experiences must line up with Scripture. That's why I put number two. Does the dream line up with the Word? I've had a few recently, and I'll, I might share those in the future. I'm not sure yet uh, about that. I want to see what God does. And one of them was uh, before I even met Morgan. And hopefully, I don't know if I'll ever be able to go into it because still praying and waiting on it and, and God showed me some things. But the whole point was not to get me weird. Look at that weird pastor. Believes in dreams. No, I, I believe in the Word of God. I'm grounded in the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I follow the principles of the Word of God. But sometimes He might show you what He's doing in your life. That's really what a vision is. You see something open up and God gives you direction through that that you've been seeking and looking for. Now, if you're not in the Word and you're not you're, you're, you're in unrepentant sin, you're not going in a good direction, be careful. devil can give you dreams too, I'm sure. And so I don't put a lot of emphasis in dreams, but I don't want to minimize them either. I mean, I watched some videos the other day. Here's how you interpret them. Here's what the color red means. Here's what, well, how do you know that? Well, if it's in black and white, it's probably not God. If it's in color, how do you know that? You don't know that. 
Now, maybe you've, you've surveyed a thousand people. and you've, Okay, but you can't say things like that. The Bible's not clear on that. But what I found is it's clear. You wake up in the morning, you're like, this is clear. This is vivid. God is, is using this to wake me up. And, and, or to have me challenge somebody or to challenge myself. And then number three, pray and wait for confirmation. Sift through it. Number four, the exception, not the rule. Dreams are the exception, not the rule. Get direction from God's Word. Get direction from God's Word. I remember one guy, my wife remembers this, I was at a city council meeting actually, um, talking to our mayor and the, and the council, I remember like now five years ago, talking about why it's not a good idea to bring marijuana here. Hello, I think we've, we see the wisdom in that now, but they didn't want to listen. And a guy came out and said, can I just pray with you? God is just showing me that I see a, I see a, million, I see a million cars. I'm like, oh, this guy's off. Whew. Man. Okay, brother, thank you. I don't know where you... And then, I don't know, what was it? Maybe six months later, the radio station came available. And the guy said, Caltrans says you can reach a few million cars a year. And then that just went off. I forgot completely about it. Never thought about it again until that moment. Ah, oh, wow, okay. Now, would we purchase the radio station on that alone? No. But I'm like, Lord, I need a little help here. I need to know, is this you? Is this What is going on here? And so he'll show you things like that. I remember next door, I don't know if Walt is even here. Raise your hand if you're here, Walt. Uh, there, oh, you are here. Okay, you remember this. It was a meet and greet. I'm driving here, Lord. I need to know I'm not a radio station manager. I cannot do this. This is ridiculous. Let somebody that I don't know say they've been blessed by the radio program before it went off the air. And Walt, first thing he comes up to me, how would you hear about it? Oh, I really like that radio program you had on 91.9. Whatever happened to it? Okay. Got it, Lord. Was I, was, I, was I fully convinced yet? Nope. Lord, you need to keep showing me. And it was confirmation and things like that. That's how it works. See, it already lines up, but I need a little help. Because Shane Eidelman makes mistakes on his own. Don't act like you don't either. <laughs> you know, if you run too head, far, quick ahead of God, you're getting financial things you cannot get out of unless God gets you through. You'll, 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 you'll make mistakes. You'll text or email or say something like, oh, gosh, if I could get that back. We, we, we run ahead of God. And I was going to give examples of, you know, like um, if you have a dream of moving, you know, does it line up with God's Word? Is God already sensing something? Or is He just trying to get out of California? Uh, dream of a, a dream job. Okay, I have this just dream of this job. Okay, is it line up with Scripture? And there's just, you just have to wait on God. Because we have normal dreams as well. Absolutely. But God sometimes during significant seasons might show you something through that dream. In that vision. And when God says it's time, no one can stop you. Jesus, I mean, Joseph was ready. And God says, nothing is going to be able to stop him. Joseph was prepared. He had faith and he was not discouraged. He, was fa- he had faith and was not discouraged. I want to give you a couple storage rules. But there are something about storing. Don't be greedy for, for money. So I want to talk about because Joseph wanted to store up, correct? He wanted to store up. And so that question comes up. I actually wanted to do it on a podcast. People are like, is it okay to store up or should we sell everything and just live, you know, mediocre? And, and I've, I've, known, I've known people, solid people, where God has said, don't, I don't want you to trust in insurance. I don't want you to trust in this. I want you to just follow me. And that was 
where God had them. But then you also read in Proverbs where a wise man stores up. You have investments. You have something to take care of your kids. You know, I might have a, a, a short-term or a, a term life insurance policy for my family, you know, just in case. You know, you, 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 you want to use wisdom too. So I think it's where it's all, it, ha- it has everything to do with where's your heart. Where's your heart? And I think, in my opinion, storing up has bailed us out a few times. It's a good thing to do. But here's the key. Don't be greedy for it. Whoever is greedy troubles his own household. God loves a cheerful giver. So if we're just storing, mine, 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 my precious. Mine. And he's just, he's just holding on to that. Mine. That's why God, God loves a cheerful. That's what giving does. It releases the grip. And you say, we don't pass the plate. I rarely talk about giving. I actually, I, I believe, I'm convicted, I don't talk about it enough because I don't money in the church. We don't need anybody's money. God is from day one. From day one, we've never been in a financial need in 12 years in this church. Beyond, blessed beyond a measure. I can't even tell you how much we are blessed. But I know the hold it can have on people when we don't give. It's stingy. And, but we live in difficult times. So it's hard. It's really a trust issue, is it not? I can't give because I only make this amount of money. Okay, well, who's on the throne? God or you? Or your boss? If anything, I would give on, like it says here, um, first fruits to the Lord. I mean, if you get something extra, an IRS refund, a bonus... Something you sell. I mean, maybe something to the Lord. It doesn't have to be here. Maybe a good ministry. That, see, that's why it doesn't have a grip on you. It's got a grip on me. And that's why when we first got married, we decided we just take 10% off. Right off the top, it's the number one bill. If we can't get to that, that means we've had to buy a smaller house. Did you know that? You have to live a little bit differently. Oh, Shane, you're not a 10%er, are you? No? God loves a cheerful giver. But you've got to feel it a little bit. There's a lot of people, they make 100000 a year, they'll, leave, they'll maybe give 100 bucks to somebody a month. And they feel like they're doing... Okay, it's got to... David says, I will not give God that which costs me nothing. So this is from a church. We don't talk about offering. We don't go pushing it. We don't pass the plate. But I can tell you, it is a real test of the heart, what you trust in. It really is. And so there's nothing wrong with storing... But what do you count? What are you storing for? Mine. I want to hold on to this. Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. Giving is a gauge. It's a great test of man's heart. Who does he trust? And I know it's tough, but sometimes this is the best time to give. Lord, I can't give right now like the widow's might. I can't give. But that's the time to do it because that's actually more trust. I mean, some of these guys make 20000 a month. They give 2000 Hey, man, that, that, that doesn't hurt as much as the person who is hurting financially. But in that, I think the person needs to use wisdom. God will maybe have you gauge it. Maybe He'll have you, just as long as you make sure your heart's right. That's the key. Am I not trusting God? And I've seen God do amazing things when we start to honor Him and let that, that tight-fisted... It's really the trust issue. Okay, Lord, I'm just going to trust You. I want to give a little bit. You love a cheerful giver and watch what God will do when that is dealt with. That fear. 
Joseph was 30 years old and had two sons were born to him. One of them, Manasseh, for God has, for, has, God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And Dennis Prager said this. He said that one of the most important verses in the whole Torah is Joseph willfully forgot his childhood pain. Now, we might wonder why I mentioned him, Prager you. The reason is the next part. This is a good example of a person who has head knowledge, but not heart engagement. Jesus is not his Messiah. Head knowledge. See, he knows. His commentary in Genesis is pretty amazing. It's really good. But, so it does beg the question, how many people here or watching or listening later, you have head knowledge, but you don't have heart engagement. You've never repented and experienced the wonderful saving faith of genuine faith. Joseph willfully forgot his childhood pain. I think some of you need to forget that pain. Let it go this morning. And the reason I say that is I talk to, to a lot of people, whether it's alcohol addiction, pain meds, um, I mean, oxy, fentanyls that, that just destroying a lot. It's often the excuses are from when I was a child, this happened to me. And if we're not careful, we can allow the excuse to keep us in our addiction. That's genuine pain, but don't let it take you down. Through God, you can become a new creation in Christ. You can be set free from the shackles of past pain. Is your past causing a root of bitterness to grow? Are you thankful? Are you thankful? Let that go this morning. Are you thankful? If you're causing, if there's some bitterness and, and something gets family members or your past or parents, let it go this morning. You have to be a state of thankfulness like Joseph. He forgot his childhood pain. Talk about someone who actually <laughs> have some pain. They wanted to kill him. But his brother said, no, 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 let's not kill him. Yeah, let's put him in a pit. That's much better. Sold him into slavery. Lied. And we're going to get into more of the story. It's going to be incredible in the weeks to come. But I want to put one screen up there, the final screen. I want you to know this. With God, with God there is purpose in the pain. There is direction in the discomfort. There is healing in the hurt. There is deliverance in the depression. There is freedom in the fear. There is hope in the hopelessness. There is joy in the sorrow. And there is breakthrough in the bondage. With God, He can set you free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. We believe in the God who does that. The Bible's not a dead, lifeless book. It's a real book for living people. And it commands us to pray and to seek Him with all of our heart and with, with all of our strength. Bring back that thankfulness. Bring back... The, some, of, some of you, God touched you years ago and you've been living in a past anointing. You need fresh fire. You need to stop talking about 10 years ago or 5 years ago or 20 years ago. I remember back in the 80s, I was on fire. No, you need that fresh fire now. A Christian who is not prog progressing is digressing. They're not going in a good direction. They need that fire back again. Return to me the joy of my salvation. What was David talking about? He repented, created me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. God, I'm tired of going in that direction. I'm tired of living with the pigs, prodigal son. I need to come home to the Father.